my cup. Think to be a decker, most to see clean far them top. Get me kings of Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold, and I just want to say I did my first live podcast taping this a few days ago, actually, with uh, the one and only Al Franken. Where's my bell? Wait, hold on. I'm getting my bell. Here's my bell. My bell. So it was so fucking great to be, you know, just with an audience and... Being able to see him, even though my neck hurts because the stools at the theater were horrible that we were sitting on. But um, what what an interesting man. What an accomplished man. Part one is fantastic. And part two is fantastic, too. But we do get into the politics in part two. We do. Uh, we talk about SNL, his time at SNL. We talk about him growing up. It was just, I mean, I have loved him forever, you know, since 1980 when he was on Saturday Night Live and I was two years old (laughs) anyway um, I also want to say that today when the podcast drops Tuesday is my 60th birthday and I am freaking the fuck out but everyone's like 60s are great 60s are great 70s suck but you know what I think 50s are great I don't know about the 60s yet but I can't believe I'm 60 years old and I have to get my roots done so yeah this one is a tough one it's a tough one I can't even believe I was ever concerned about being 30, 40, or 50. Okay? All right, then. Also want to let you know, upcoming dates for me are um, on December 3rd. I'm in Scarsdale at the B-Side Comedy Club, and they the 7 o'clock show is sold out. There's a 9 p.m. show. Get your asses there. There's not a lot of tickets. Uh, the uh, December 14th. I'm at the Chosen Comedy Festival in Miami, Florida. The 15th, I'm at Boca Black Box in Boca Raton, Florida. And the 25th, I'm at Stand Up New York for a Christmas. I think I'm doing two Christmas shows. Get your asses there because you fucking hate your family anyway. But um, yeah, so I'm getting ready to, you know, have to be busy in December. But I'm also really happy about the, the election. Can you fucking believe it? I mean, I can believe it. I was very, po- I think I was very positive. I was very positive. I thought, you know what? Young people aren't going to put up with this shit. And I was 100% right. I should be a pollster because those pollsters are fucking lying assholes. Uh, they don't know what the fuck is going on. They can't read the temperature of the country. And fuck that orange piece of shit. Good. I hope he's taking it. I can't believe he's still alive. I just, I can't believe it. You know, my neighbor upstairs died. Nicest guy in the whole world. And that motherfucker is still fucking a lot. Like, that's what I don't get. Like, the evil people, like, ugh, who make everyone's life miserable. Whatever. Uh, I'm thrilled about that. I also am thrilled about the fact that I know something's happening tonight for my birthday. But I don't know what it is. But one of my friends slipped a little, but I still, I said, I don't, please don't tell me. And he got, he felt really bad, but I don't care. So I have a little surprise coming tonight and, um, yeah. And I'm elderly and I went to the comedy cellar the other night and I was like, I went up to the comics table and there's three comics like in their thirties. And I'm like, I'm turning 60. Like I, I don't. I st- it's really weird. Time fucking flies. But I'm still going to the comedy cellar and doing my set. So, you know, that's a positive. I'm going to be positive. Anyway, no, I'm not. What am I talking about? I'm not going to be positive. I'm not positive. I mean, I'm positive. Like, I'm an optimist. I'm a, I'm a cockatiest optimist. No, I'm, I think I'm pretty optimistic. I really did think we were going to. And fuck Donald Trump Jr. And all. Ugh, I hate them. Anyway, um, so anyway, so listen, this podcast is so good, and I, I just, I love this guy, and he needs to be back in the Senate, because it was ridiculous. Grab a pussies, could be president. Grab a fucking pussy. It's it, pedophilia. It, you know, there's pedophiles in the fucking, or pedophile enabler in the, in the uh, Senate. It's just ridiculous. Um, so please, I hope you enjoy this as much 
as I enjoyed recording it. Sit back, relax, and part one of my interview with, I say conversation, with Al Franken begins right now. Thank you. We haven't done a live tape, a live uh, tape. Well, I guess it's a live taping, a live show of Kill Me Now since the pandemic. And I am thrilled. I can't even believe he said yes. I'm so fucking excited. He is beyond brilliant. Uh, Four best-selling books, four Emmys, nine nominations. Uh, He's done so much uh, I love him. I've loved him since I was in high school because, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm way younger than him. And, uh, and he was on SNL. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Al Franken! I'm excited! I'm so excited! Thank you, Judy. Al, thank you for being here! You told me that you only do that on Jew references. Right, I said Al and Judy. We're both Jewish. Okay. It's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, Al, I'd like to do a deep dive into my guests. Okay. And start with their childhood. Okay. Which I I love your parents. Um, I got it. You got the bell now? Uh, parents are Jewish. I, yeah. I, any, anything... Right. Cl- anywhere this is close about, to you. This is sort of about my mother because I don't know if you grew up like this, but like I grew up where if anyone came on the television, literally the conversation was Jew, non-Jew, converted, Tom anti-Semitic. Davis I, Tom Davis and I wrote Jew, not a Jew, a sketch on SNL. I know. No, I'm kidding. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, the, and is that based on? Did your family do that? Like yeah, every Jewish family did that, right? Okay, so it was basically it was a game show. The Knutsons and the Johnsons were the two families, and it was uh, Tom Hanks was the uh, the host, right? And it starts off with Penny Marshall. She was not Jewish, uh, okay, by the way. Yeah, well, it's a, you know, married to meathead. That's okay, <laughs> and you know Laverne and Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Penny Marshall, Jew, not a Jew. <clears throat> Johnsons. Uh, we're going to say Jew, Bob. And it's like, no. And so we did, that was the thing. And then I get a call on the next day from a guy from the Jewish Defamation League. Oh, God, I can't. Anyway, so... <laughs> um, so he calls and he goes, we got, a, we got some complaints. And I said, well, and he didn't see it. So I tell him what it is. And he goes, oh, yeah, we did that at home. You know, and so... <laughs> And so uh, he goes, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Oh, that's funny. That's really funny. Uh, two days later, we get a letter from him complaining. So I call him up, and I go, what the fuck was that? And he goes, like, oh, we had to. I had to. And <laughs> so, and then he says, by the way, my son-in-law is coming in from Pittsburgh. Could you get him tickets? <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Oh. God. The chutzpah of the, the man. Exactly. Thank okay. you. I don't I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to do it. You're Al's not going to be able to hit the damn thing. Tonight. Your parents, Joseph and Phoebe. Okay, I'm going to stop doing that because. Well, it, no, I love it. Isn't I don't. It good? I oh, don't. You, they you don't, don't like it? Well, I don't. They, yes, they they love it. All right. Do you guys like my Jew bell? See? They, people come to my shows with a bell. Okay, good. And they want me to sign it. I mean, they have no life, but it's nice that they, all right. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So we have Joseph. Is that your hook? The bell? No, this is my hook. This is my hook. I don't know. I don't even know when I started doing it, but it was like, and oh, my mother died. And I was like, you know, she was so proud of being Jewish. And I want people to know how much we contribute to the world. Because there's not yeah. a lot of us. And everyone fucking hates us, as my mother. They all yeah. hate us. Everyone hates us. Um, <laughs> the minute you leave the room, they're going to call you a dirty Jew. They all hate us. Okay. Okay, healthy, healthy Healthy, very, yeah. you grew up in. So your parents did not attend college. Right. My dad didn't graduate high school. His father died when he was 16, so he left school. Horrible. It's not. It's just you. He died. His dad died of tuberculosis in 1924. No way. Yeah. Wow, that's terrible. 
Um, I mean, I don't know what to say to that. But they were German okay. Jews, right? Uh, no. Uh, my, yes. Oh, good. I'm glad yes I did no. this research. German no, Jews and my Russian. Dad, my dad's side, Franken, is German Jewish. Yeah. And the mother's uh, side was Oppenheimer Russian. And the mother's side is Russian. Yeah. And the German Jews, according to my mother, were very snotty. And my my uh, grandmother, Clara Oppenheimer Franken, uh, wore black to the wedding because... <laughs> My uh, fa uh, father was marrying a Russian Jew. What? What is that? That's what it was. Yeah. They're, okay. They're, okay. We're awful too. I know. Um, <laughs> Everybody's awful. And yeah. you were actually born in New York City. Is that That's correct? Right. Yep. And then they moved. You moved to Minnesota. Wait. wait we, first, you went to Ohio, didn't you? Nope. Nope. No. Wait. 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 <laughs> Married. Uh -huh. Mm. I can tell you where we moved. Little Falls, New Jersey. Oh, right, right. New, New okay, Jersey. And I was four. We moved to, to Albert Lee, Minnesota. Albert Lee, Minnesota. A small town in southern Minnesota. My dad, because he didn't graduate high school, never had a career as such. My mother's father, who came from Russia when he was 16, doing a bunch. So had a quilting factory. Uh, which make it's quilt. It makes uh, quilts, which is a lining of like winter coats and yeah. that kind of thing. Not. You know, quilts, not like Amish quilts, but quilting. And so uh, we moved out to Albert Lee to start a quilting factory. Factory failed. Two years later, we moved up to St. Louis Park, the Jewish suburb of Minneapolis, called St. Jewish Park because right. we we're 20% Jewish. Right. Which is a lot of Jews in Minnesota. That, yeah. any, any Jews is a lot of Jews in Minnesota. In, Minnesota. in fact, that was our license plate <laughs> until 1959. Okay. So... Uh, so when I was like, so we moved up there and about, so when I'm six, we move up in first grade. And then, I don't know, like when I'm 12 or something, I go, why Albert Lee? And he said, my dad had a New York accent, also smoked the pipe. So he said, well, your, your grandfather wanted to open a, a, a quilting factory in the Midwest and the railroad went through Albert Lee. And I said, why did the uh, factory fail? It went through Albert Lee, but it wouldn't stop. And one of the first things I did in the Senate was something uh, addressing captive shipping. And captive shipping is when the railroad won't stop to pick up your stuff. And you can lodge a complaint with the Surface Transportation Board, but it costs like $30,000 wow. to lodge a complaint. And I got it reduced to like 300 bucks. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's Such like, a good That's person. something you do that no one... And it was funny when I was before the Surface... Transportation Board um, making my case, and I called it, it's the STB, this Surface Transportation Board, and I called it, accidentally called it the STD. <laughs> and I caught myself, and I said, I apologize. And later, the head of the STB came to visit me, and I said, I apologize for that. And he said, that's the mo most exciting thing that's happened. At <laughs> 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 one of our meetings, because <laughs> I got to laugh when I apologize. So you lived in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom home? Yeah, in St. Louis Park. I was, yeah. What, was that a normal, were there a lot of rich Jews there? There were two sides of St. Louis Park, the side closer to the border on Minneapolis, the that first alphabet it was right. called, that was more affluent. So that was be where your doctors and your lawyers right. and your businessmen were. And our my side was more working class. Right. Yeah. Um, you had an older brother. But, but by the way, I just felt like the luckiest kid in the world because St. Louis Park had incredible school system right. because of. Anyway, so we started the public school system. Did we? Yeah, we're, we're responsible for the. So, yeah. And, and St. Louis Park mother. has never turned down a bond issue for school, for, wow. for education. And it's always like the best. One of the best school systems, and and your your brother, you had an older brother. Well, you still have an older brother. Yeah. Um, and you five years older than me. You were you were a member of Temple Beth Israel, which was a reform. Mm -mm. Temple Israel. Temple. Israel. Oh, Temple Israel. That's right. It, I wrote Temple Israel. I don't know where I got the fucking Beth from. Anyway, <laughs> because every other temple is Temple. Because my temple, <laughs> my temple growing up was Temple Beth Or. Okay, this is very Jewish. I'm getting these in. Okay. Um, I can't wait till we get to something not Jewish. Uh, <laughs> that, that's the Neither thing. Neither can if they. Yeah. All... <laughs> okay. 
whatever. Um, <laughs> so you did not get bar mitzvahed. No, even though I was. <laughs> yeah. How no, come I didn't, you didn't get, get bar mitzvahed? I didn't get bar mitzvah because I didn't want to uh, get bar mitzvah. Did uh, your brother get bar mitzvah? No, my brother didn't get. But that's mainly why I didn't get bar mitzvah because my brother didn't want to get bar mitzvah. But we didn't take Hebrew. You know, uh, the Cohen brothers did a. a uh, they're from there as well. Yeah, they're from St. Louis Park as well, and they did a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. It wasn't their most simple man or no a, a serious man? Serious right? man, yeah. And it was set in St. Louis Park, right? And uh, those kids. The, they evidently went. To, they went to Hebrew school, and it was very. And look how successful fun. they are, Al. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You didn't get bar mitzvah. Your father was a Jacob Javits Republican. That's right. There you go. And then became a Democrat in 1964. Right, because of uh, Barry Goldwater voting against the Civil Rights Act. That's right. Uh, so we would watch the news while we ate dinner. And yes, I have that down here. Yeah, and my would mom- watch TV in the TV room while eating dinner on the trays. Right, but we didn't have TV dinners. My mom was a really good cook. And we uh -huh. had nice dinners, but we watched the news. And in 1963, when you know they were putting uh, police dogs and billy clubs and oh yeah fire hoses on demonstrators down south, my dad, I remember one day. One night, my dad pointing at the TV said, no Jew can be for that. No Jew can be for that. And so it was, you know, and Jacob Javits voted for the Civil Rights Bill, but Barry Goldwater didn't. So when Barry Goldwater was their nominee in 64, my dad became a Democrat, never looked back. He campaigned for Paul Wellstone. Uh, he was part of a senior, uh, senior citizen theater troupe. <laughs> oh, I love it. Was he gay? Do you think? No. Uh, uh, no. No, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> you know I love my liquid IV, that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben, my son Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the, the uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it. While they're working out, I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! So in 19, uh, I think it was 57, 
the Sputniks, the, um, the Russians. Sputnik. Sputnik. The Russians. And oddly, Sputnik sounds Jewish, but yes, it isn't. It is not. It was actually a satellite. So they created this <laughs> okay. satellite called the Sputnik. They put up the first uh, man-made satellite. And they were now ahead of us in space and had nuclear weapons. So America, and your father sits you and your brother down. My mom and dad sit oh, us down in the living room and said, you boys are going to study math and science so we can beat the Soviets. And I thought that was a lot of pressure to put on a six-year-old. <laughs> but uh, my brother and I, um, they said, you boys are going to study math and science. So we did. And... My brother was the first in our family to go to college, and he went to MIT, MIT. majored in, a degree, got a degree in physics, and became a photographer. Right. And, and you went to Harvard. I went to Harvard. Now, this is at a time when it was a lot easier for a white... Oh, please. It was a lot, no, it was a lot easier for, for a white male to get in oh, Harvard. Okay. And that, that uh, during that period, and that period was from the founding of the school in 16... Uh, 36 to, until last year. <laughs> See, I had a joke coming. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Fuck. Just pay attention. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll be better. I'm sorry. So you went to the, you, but you both went to private, you went to the Blake School, right? No, my brother didn't. My brother went to St. Louis Park. And, and you I, went to Blake, the Blake yeah, School. Yeah, this is a Wait, do we thing. have Blake School people here? Uh, sounds like it. Or, or not. They just applaud. Really? No, here's the thing. So uh, my brother goes to MIT, and he, he, he says... Like, my, how do you follow that, you know? Well, he says, Alan shouldn't go to MIT. He should go to Harvard. So he should go to Blake. And because the school, the kids here at MIT who went to the private school are better prepared. So my dad comes to me and said, uh, you're going to take a test <laughs> at a school for smart kids. <laughs> so... We go, and I take this test, and then, uh, you know, a week later, it goes, you got into the school for smart kids. <laughs> so then, right before I go to go to school, like the week before, I go to the campus, beautiful campus, of this private school, and I'm going to meet my ambassador. My ambassador is a mouth breather. He's like an idiot. <laughs> and and uh, so then he tells me, you go, okay, uh, you know, yeah, we have chapel in the morning. I went, what? We have chapel in the morning. Okay, it was founded as a school for Protestant boys around the turn of the 20th century. And you have chapel and you have to wear a coat and tie. Really? Okay, well, fine, I can do that. And uh, we'll all have to play a sport. I go, okay, I like sports. I'll do that. And he goes, uh, then there's no girls. I went, what the fuck? <laughs> and so then I go down to the parking lot. Dad, I can't go here. There's no girls. We already put down the deposit. <laughs> so I ended up going to this fucking school for three years. But could, you could have gotten out of it by saying that I have to go to chapel. No? No. That's uh, why I wasn't bar mitzvah, too. Right. Yeah, my yeah. mother wouldn't okay, have been up understand. with that shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I go to the school. And, yeah. yeah. And and your friend, Tom Davis, went to that school. Went to that's that where school. I met. Yeah, that's so, where you met him. Yes. And in chapel, at the end of chapel, they had announcements. And I'm there. The first week I'm there, I see Tom gets up to, with some other uh, guys, but it's mainly Tom. They do an announcement. And it's really funny. So I go up to him. I go, you're funny. And we start doing announcements. We ended up starting doing announcements. And that's how we started our stand-up career, which was doing announcements. So any organization that had an announcement, they'd ask us to do the announcement. And we just did every style of con. We did Karnak. We did, right. you know, we did every fuck. Every damn thing you could do. And so that was, and so it was a good thing I had chapel, and it was a good thing I went there. I met Tom, and we became Franken and Franken Davis. Franken and Davis. I remember Franken and Davis. Yeah, and we started performing uh, at a theater, Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop, which was like Second City, but in Minneapolis. And were you, in, you were in high school when, this, when you yeah, started? Yeah, we started doing some shows there. And what sport did you play? Uh, soccer in, uh, we, this is 19... I graduated in 69, so it's 67, 68, 69, or actually 66, 67, 68. And we, Americans, hadn't really played soccer that much. And it was so primitive, our <laughs> soccer. <laughs> but I played soccer, and I wrestled. That was the sport I really actually liked. I mean, that, you know, I really what got is, a what lot What is it about of, wrestling? 
Right. It's very uh, good for you. It's very good. Also, I, this happened. I don't understand. And the ear thing that happens, they all wrestlers have like that weird ear. No, they like don't. You can pull. You're thinking yes. pro wrestlers or, no, or really make, good wrestlers right, and who wrestle in, high, in college. Yeah. I didn't wrestle in college. So about, now it's about a year and a half ago. I'm on the subway. We're all wearing, you have to wear a mask. And uh, I, I'm getting on the subway and there's this guy there who looks like Eminem. He's like, uh, but uh, not talented. You know, he was, <laughs> and he's, and I need to sit down there and there's the pole here and he won't move his fucking legs. Oh, I but then that. I can, yeah, okay. So I sit down. So he's already a little bit of a jerk. He's not wearing his mask. So I do this thing where I go like, you know what? I do this a lot. I forget that I don't have my mask on when I go to the subway. And so uh, I think, you know, and he goes, he literally says, do you want me to fuck you up? <laughs> and my, the first thought in my head goes, I wrestled in high school. <laughs> <laughs> 53 years right, ago. Right. <laughs> Which is the second thought I had. <laughs> and then also, you could have a knife or whatever. But anyway, so anyway. So then I don't say anything. And uh, the guy across from him says something about, you know, we don't know, you know, we, you should wear a mask. He goes, I've been vaccinated. So, well, we don't know that. And that, now I'm, I got another guy with me, so I'm not a little bold. Right. So I go, like, you know, you really shouldn't threaten people. And then there's a guy next to him who's a really big muscular guy, um, who a black guy who uh, just goes, Everybody just cool down now. <laughs> and I go, you're the you're who we need. <laughs> you're the yeah. you you thank you. So that he didn't that. fuck you up though. No. And you didn't feel threatened. I did. <laughs> but I did not but when the other guy jumped in, I felt less threatened. Right. And then who got off first? I think I did. I got off. I was the express. If you should, if you have to know. Yeah. It was some 42nd or 72nd. Oh, it was the one, two, three. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can't ride the subway anymore. It's awful. No, it was the express. It wasn't the one. Right, it was I'm the saying two, it was the two through a red line. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. It's so annoying. Um, your rabbi. Uh, rabbi Shapiro. Rabbi Shapiro. Oh, I want to tell you about Blake then. Oh, I yes. Just, I want to hear about Blake. And I, I also want to know, like, there's girls, women here who went to Blake. So, so they became co-ed. They, yeah, but not when I was there. But um, so I used to tell this joke uh, around Minneapolis, especially when I had my book, uh, first books out, and I'd come back to, to Minneapolis. I was living in New York. And I would tell this joke about going to Blake and saying, uh, is a school founded for Protestant boys, but they started letting Jews in. Uh, in the 50s to get the SAT scores up. <laughs> so the school was founded in 1901. In 2001, they do a centennial, and there's a history teacher who's been assigned to write the book on the history of Blake. So she calls me up and says, you know that joke you tell? I go, she, yeah, and she goes, it's truer than you can possibly No know. way. Yeah, so she got the notes from these board meetings. She went through these notes, and at some meeting, they're going like, we're getting less kids in the uh, elite schools and because our SAT scores are down and we're not getting married. No finalists. way. Somebody says, what do we do? And someone goes, Jews. <laughs> and <laughs> so, literally, this is in the minutes. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And so Rabbi Max Shapiro, who was a rabbi at Temple Israel, becomes a member of the board. And then the Jews start getting in. And then then what's funny is at Blake, they have these uh, plaques. If went to Blake, that has the valedictorian from that year. So it started going from, you know, like the old families, like the Pillsburys and the Daytons and the Crosbys. And then one year it just starts being Kaplan, <laughs> Friedman, Schwartz, Cohn, you yeah. know. <laughs> and then Vietnamese names started popping up. Your no rabbi, <laughs> your rabbi Max Shapiro. This, tell uh, this better be true. Mm -hmm. He said something that stayed with you your whole life. He said, "It's not enough to be for justice; 
you have to do justice. Yes. And yeah. how how old were you? I mean, had it probably I don't know. It was, it was something he said often, right? In uh, services, you know. I thought Shabbat. you didn't go to services. I went to Shabbat services sometimes. You know, high holy days, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know how much money you could have gotten for the bar mitzvah? Not that much. Really? It, mm, no. Eighteen dollars. <laughs> okay. Times whatever. So you meet Tom. Uh, and then you go to Harvard. He goes to Harvard as no, well. No. He doesn't, but I ha I read that he lived in your dorm at some He did point. live in my dorm uh, between my junior. So I would go to college. He was a year younger than me. And then he, uh, so the, uh, And then summers, we would do shows at, at Dudley Riggs. We would just do, during the summer, we'd have a two-man show. He had two theaters, so we'd do one of the other theaters. And uh, I would mow, <laughs> I would mow around, uh, 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 Water towers and other public properties. That was your job <laughs> during during this. Yeah, during the day and at night we we do shows, and um, so and then Tom uh, went to school uh, college for a year and dropped out and then became part of the company there and learned the Im Im improv technique, which is incredibly valuable. And I would recommend anyone who wants to be a comedian, comedy do improv too, and really help or a comedy writer. You know the uh, Julia Child ble bleeding to death? You know that sketch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Tom and I wrote that. Oh, my that. God, I love that sketch. That's a great sketch, so thank you. Anyway, oh, so... I uh, but that. no, no. But so we were looking for the end beat. I don't know if you remember what the end joke was, but we're looking for it. Now, in improv, you're taught to... You're on stage with nothing, and you're taught to find objects. So the last beat was Ju uh, Dan Aykroyd as Julia Child going like... Oh, the phone, do you call 911? <laughs> and she grabs it and, and, and it goes, it's a prop phone. And then uh, throws it down and then dies. And that was because he did improv. He, right. he was trained to find objects. So he did that. And then, uh, <laughs> then between my junior and senior year, we hitchhiked from Minneapolis to L.A. to do the comedy store. Because uh, we had a friend from Dudley Riggs who was uh, doing Pat Proft, who uh, has written some of the Naked Guns and those kind of movies, and brilliant guy, got us a spot at the. So, so we hitchhiked to L.A. and then. Um, I can't imagine hitchhiking. Like I, I it's mean, it's not a good idea now. Right, but then you did you literally had a backpack, right, or and and you put your finger out and people picked you up and your mother wasn't like, Oh, you can't hitchhike. No. Nope. So we hitchhiked to LA. I don't LA. think your parents were Jewish. We got a ride Seriously. From, we got a, a, a ride from Des Moines to Sacramento. That was a good one. Like who did, who, like who drove some guy, you? Some guy who and needed other scared? people to drive. No. Wow. I mean, it was a different time, but. We were also too young. Right. Done. And I you wrestled. wrestled. You wrestled. <laughs> hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing. And so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. 
and you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. The first week, uh, the yeah. first day you're at Harvard, yeah. you meet Franny. No, it's not the first day, but the first week. For, first week. Oh, I wrote first week. First week at Harvard, you go to a mixer. Yep. And you meet Franny, who goes to Simmons College. Right. And I see her across the room, and she's organizing some girls to leave. And I see her, and she looks, she's beautiful. And I just like the way she's dealing with the other girls. So I go over, and I uh, ask her to dance. We dance. I got her ginger ale, and then I escorted her back to her dorm, made a date. So when my daughter is six years old, uh, they, the teacher assigns them to write, how did your parents meet? My daughter said, my dad asked my mom to dance, bought her a drink, and took her home. <laughs> Did she get an A on that paper? The, <laughs> the teacher writes, uh, calls my, uh, Franny and says, um, we're making a book out of the stories. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you want, and, and Franny said, she wrote it, you can keep it. You know, keep it in time. It's a fun story. It was a, you, Norm Coleman used it in the first ad against me. No way. No, no. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. Oh, um, Franken. <laughs> asked Franny to, you know, bought her a drink and took her home <laughs> and had sex with her. It's, it kind of sucks meeting your future wife the first week you're at college yeah in retrospect very stupid right but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> but you know we've been married 47 years and we have two, uh, four grandchildren and, and two kids two kids four and four grandchildren i like her i met her yeah she's fun she's nice yeah, she's all right it's hard being uh, in a relationship with a comedian don't you think um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I said that for Elisa, who's here. And all she, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. Okay, so you graduate college, at, and you had originally were going to study physics. You were thinking about studying physics. Well, my stuff. parents said study yes. math and science so you can beat the Soviets. And so. you got a degree in behavioral sciences basically okay. social relations it was called it there and but it was you know behavioral it was sociology and right um anthropology yeah but that ha like, comedians are kind of anthropologists no no it, yeah it, and also it's good it was a good uh discipline although i wasn't as serious student as i should have been right because tom and i were doing actually i was gonna i decided after i gave up i took a, a psychological test I was very depressed after like two months there because I realized I didn't couldn't be a scientist. I just wasn't fit psychologically for it. Franny said, go take, go to the counselor's office. And I took this thing, which is uh, you answer 500, or you know, yeah, you answer yes or no to 505 statements. And the re only reason, I, and it was a Minnesota multi-phasic personality inventory. The only reason I know that is I wrote a, a, a memoir a few years ago and I went like, I wonder what that was. And I entered into, I Google did a Google search on the one of the 505 statements that I remember, which is, I have not had any black and tarry bowel movements. <laughs> and, and every result, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. and, uh, absolutely. Anyway, I every Google search result was 
The only statement of the 505 statements from the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory that people who took it 40 years ago remember is, I have not had any black and tarry bowel movements. And that was like 20 entries. And, and, that is hilarious. And then it also said the test was highly, it, it was, uh, didn't do you any good. It was wrong and it was completely off. But it, it, the results were, number one, a camp counselor. Really? The comedian was not on it. The uh -huh. Comedian was not a choice. Uh, number two is jazz musician. And oh, I did, that's good. And I did not play an instrument. Right. And so I just went, camp counselor, okay, they want me to be a comedian. That, yeah, that is. Because I'd been doing comedy. So right. I went and like, okay. And jazz and comedy are similar. Yeah. And we're like camp counselors. We bring everyone together. Yeah. And, yeah. So it made sense to me. So you then get a job, you graduate, and you and Tom. We go out to, we go out to LA. Right. This time we drove. And then you get offered. How soon after you get the offer? Offer it's about to two years. Uh, an agent, um, William Morris agent, had come to the seen us at the comedy store, invited us, and you guys, we, you're really good. Your writing is really good. Would you like to write? You should write for a comedy variety show or something like that. And we said we'd love to. The only shows that were on comedy variety shows were the Tonight Show, which is a great show, but we were not right for writing that. Right. We were not mighty Carson art players or monologue. Uh, Carol Burnett, great show, but oh, just not show. our generation. Yeah. And then Sonny and Cher, which was kind of crappy. Right. And so so we said, well, we're not right for anything. He said, put a package together of some of a show you'd like to work on. So we wrote, and I'll always remember, this is a 14-page package. And for anyone who's submitting packages to for writing samples, don't write 50 pages. They, you can tell after a page, right, right. whether anyone's... So we had a news parody, a news, uh, we had a commercial parody, we had a sketch, which was a Sunny and Cher show, it was Sunny and Cher, a parody of them, and we did a, a conceptual film, and that was it, 14 pages, and, we, and Lauren hired us, we were the only ones, writers he didn't, Lipowitz, Lauren Lipowitz, now me, now Michaels. Michaels, yeah, uh, and me, I love that. Isn't it, it's, it just doesn't happen like that anymore. Now, you know, you have to go, on, you have to, it, it like, was, it, oh. it was so exciting then where you would, you didn't know who was in the audience and who was going to change your life. You'd go do a set and there'd be, yeah, that's be true. it doesn't happen like that anymore. Well, it, look, it, all this was in its infancy in terms of comedy clubs and stuff like that. There just weren't any. I mean, right. there was, uh, at that time, it was just the, the comedy store. Uh, there was a place called Ye Little Club in Beverly Hills, and there was the Ice House in, oh, yeah. in yeah, Pasadena. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of it. And, you know, there wasn't the, uh, you know, uh, uh, what are these places called? Uh, what are these comedy clubs called? Like the Mike and Stool. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, uh, these, uh, the punchline. Right. The punchline. Ha-ha's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Tom and I uh, worked across the street from the punchline at the setup. The setup? We walked. Uh, we worked across the street from <laughs> the punchline. Punch the setup at a club called the Setup. Around the corner was the tag. <laughs> <laughs> I made Al Franken and laugh. Then everyone, the callback and was gentlemen. the callback okay. was. Uh, um, <clears throat> so you got hired, both of you, and you had a split three hundred and fifty dollars a week. Yes. And. What? We were so thrilled, right? Yeah, and and who was because we were we were hired as one apprentice writer, right? Yeah, and who was the? It was the second year it was on. Is that correct? Well, you, no, 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 we were, we were the, the first. Original, yeah. We're the original. We got there day one. Did right? you no. have any idea that this would be such a cultural? phenomenon well i was a cocky bastard and so like i met like michael donahue the first day right and then i met danny and gilda and uh you know chevy and other writers on the show um <laughs> alan zybel so yes, there you go right. okay uh but you know and i just i remember very early on saying to tom this is going to be a big hit 
And he he had been through we had been through enough pitches where people loved our pitch and then never right. called us back again. He went, yeah, right. But it was some of my favorite. I just you created Stuart Smalley. Yeah. Um, and you were there, and then you left, and then you came back. Um, right. We did the first five years. Right. And then when Lauren left. We left, and so we did seventy-five to eighty. Then Lauren left from eighty to eighty-five. We came right. back from, eight, and then we were there from eighty-five to ninety-five. You um, did a sketch which I watched today, which was so hilarious. Um, Thank you. Called <laughs> that sort of, you know, sealed your fate. It was called a limo for a lamo. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it was, first of all, I'm looking at Jane Curtin wondering, did they know that you were going to do a limo for a lamo? Yeah. You know, everyone says it, you know, it was so funny because one of the executives who was in charge of the show said, don't do this. Really? This was, it was uh, basically, uh, NBC was in the toilet and Fred Silverman was ahead of it. And I just did a thing about how cast members on the show got limos, but I didn't. And Fred Silverman gets a limo. And then I had people write to... Oh, it was so funny. You li had... Limo for a limo to 30 Rockefeller Plaza to Fred, you know, at Fred Silverman's office. I got the office number and they got thousands of letters. They did? Yeah, yeah. So you... you and, <laughs> and It's when people wrote letters. Right. And you held up this, this um, big sign and had... Oh, the top 10 shows. None of them were NBC. None of them were NBC. You're like, you see a C, you see an A, no N, no N. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it kind of uh, poisoned the relationship between Fred Silverman and the show. Right. And Lauren, yeah. And, and me. Do, you, do you regret that at all? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. I, I now, you were heir apparent for Lauren Michaels. Right? I don't think That's so, but I if read. I was, that was that wasn't happening. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen after that. Um, John Belushi. That I read that that his death had a had a profound effect on you. I think it did on all of us. Yeah. I mean, he was you know he was a close friend. Uh, I mean, he was you know uh, he was a friend, and uh, what it you know we didn't know that drugs actually killed you right and uh but that certainly underscored that for us and those jesus christ i don't know how old he was like 32 or something how old i'm sorry what oh sorry bell for jesus christ i see i have people writing postcards I was talking about a guy dying me. okay and you insist on yeah. jesus christ okay no, anyway, so yeah, it was tragic. And what was it like? Like, I know everyone says it's hell to work there. They still say that. But what was no, it, it was like? No, it was great. But people are. It was great I to mean, work there. You worked 24 hours. Like, no, I mean, we look, I, the schedule wasn't so bad. Uh, when you're doing the week of a show, of course, you, but we'd get there like at five in the afternoon on Monday. Right. And then, uh, you wouldn't work, you know, stay that late. You'd have the meeting with the new, with the host, kick around some ideas, go home. And then the next day you come back like noon or one or something like that. But then you kind of wrote all night. And that was like my favorite thing was my people ask, what's your favorite memory of SNL? And it was basically three in the morning rolling on the floor laughing. Right. With, you know, one of the cast or writers. Or, it was just and, – and we really – were collaborative as a writing staff and the cast. Remember, we only had seven cast members, and we had like eleven or ten or eleven writers. Uh, and so, um, and and then even the second iteration that I was there from uh, eighty-five to ninety-five, it was a much smaller cast than they have now. And it was uh, when the show was working, there was nothing more fun. Oh, it was amazing. I had the advantage of having been there at the beginning, so I'm not someone that had to come into the right. show, which I can which is very intimidating, you know, for people. What, were there any hosts that really <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, what were a surprise? Like, what was your most surprising uh, experience? A good, with a a good surprise. A good and a bad. I, I mean, I really want bad, but I'm not being negative. I'm not going to be negative. Well, you right know, now. like uh, like that you were really excited. Franny, for it. Franny had the idea of having Fran Tarkenton. Right. And Fran Tarkenton was her first athlete who did the show, and this was the first year of the show, and he was great, and that surprised me. But and it turned out that having these athletes do the show is really has been a great tradition, and there's been some unbelievable. Uh, Peyton Manning, I thought, did right. an amazing show. I wasn't there then. But, I mean, uh, that that was uh, so great. And then, yeah, there were, there were people that were – but the the the, un, the worst was Steven Seagal, by far. Like, he lapped everybody else. Wow. Um, okay, I'll – I could – Donald Trump, maybe, was also – I wasn't there for him, so yeah, I'm no. just – my experience. But I don't think right. he could be as bad as Seagal. So right. – um, he was stupid, uh, arrogant, lie, uh, just awful in way. But okay, so we do read through, mm-hmm. and I read through. You do read through, and then Lauren meets with the host, and the, the, one of the producers or a couple of producers, depending on what iteration of the show it is. So uh, after the read through, it's like me, Lauren, and Seagal, and we're going through the sketches, and Seagal, who had no was an idiot and no con- nothing. He he goes like, "What if we did a sketch <laughs> where uh, I'm a psychiatrist and Victoria's Victoria Jackson is my patient, and I hypnotize her and I have sex with her, and then I tell her that she's got to come back every week." <laughs> so. <laughs> So Lauren has to have a relationship with right. with the host, so he can't say what, what needs you to be said. You fucking piece of shit, yeah, well, predator. Yeah. Who so the he fuck kinda, do you Lauren think turns you are, to yeah. me, and I go, and I just can't. I just, I go like, so you would have us do the ugliest sketch that was ever on in the history of television, <laughs> <laughs> and he just went, "You don't like any of my ideas." <laughs> So, and he was awful in so many other ways that I just not worth it to go into. But like a few weeks later, so Nicolas Cage is is hosting, and he's doing the monologue, out, you know, where you do the monologue at home base, and he starts talking about he had just done Moonstruck and Honeymoon in Vegas. He had just shot done both of those, and they had been out. And he goes, "Oh man, it was so great doing those movies because like when I did Moonstruck, you know, I." Every day I show up at the set, I could see Cher's ass. And then uh, and then uh, with Honeymoon in Vegas, I could see every day I got to see Sarah Jessica Parker's breasts and her boobs, and it was great. <laughs> and then David Davey Wilson, who's the director, his voice comes over and goes, uh, Nicholas, uh, Lauren, Lauren would like to talk to you. Can you come out to the, you know, and then he comes out to the, okay, and then you follow him out to the this uh, the well, what we call the well, this little area that you saw every once in a while. And Lauren would go like, um, why are you uh, talking about your co-star's body parts? He goes, well, because it was just so great. <laughs> you know, to be there with Sarah Jessica Parker and her boobs. I mean, they were just seeing him every day and, and uh, shares. He goes, Nicholas, Sophia Coppola is your, your cousin, right? Yeah. Well, suppose we had a host come up here and say that he loved being on a set with her because he got to look at her at her boobs. And he goes, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, you must think I'm the worst host you've ever had. <laughs> and Lauren goes, "No, that was Steven Seagal." <laughs> so, a few weeks later, I'm doing the Tonight Show. I'm a, I'm booked to do a, sh- a shot on the Tonight Show. Uh, be a guest, and um, Jay Jay's the host. And I looked in the TV guide. We had a TV guide at this time. And I see the show is is the Ramones and Al Franken. 
I'm going like, that can't possibly be. <laughs> be the Tonight Show. Like, There's got to be a, a, a guest. A, guess. a yeah. first guest, yeah. right? I get there, it's Steven Seagal. Now! <laughs> so uh, Steven Seagal uh, comes out, the Ramones play. <laughs> uh, uh, then I come out, and I do my interview, and then during the break, there's a commercial, and Seagal turns to me and goes like, why did say, Lauren say that about me? That I was the worst host. And I just freeze. I can't think. I'm just going, and Leno just bails me out. He goes like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, he had to pick a big star. <laughs> you know, because you're a big star. That's why, you know. And also, you could kick his ass because you're so strong. You, you know, you're an action guy and you're a big star. <laughs> That's why I picked you, you know. And Seagal goes, Oh. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my Seagal. I can't that's believe people like that story. become so successful. They're so fucking dumb and they become so successful. I, d- I, don't, I, d- I, don't, I don't get, get it. it. I don't get it. He's Gentile. I thought Seagal, because Katie Seagal's Jewish. I think they're different. Oh, all right. Ta- I take back Damn. some. I take back some rings. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my interview with the one and only Al Franken, who's fucking genius and accomplished and smart, and I fucking love him. Uh, Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. The podcast would not be possible without the help and love and joy of my assistant. My executive assistant, because I'm an executive. Brittany Joe Sowards Richmond, because she married a Jew who's the nicest guy in the world. His name is Sam. Oh, yeah. Sam Richmond. Yeah. Let's hear it for Sam. Um, if you haven't subscribed to my podcast or left a review, please, please five stars. Please. I just, it's, yeah, I need people to listen. And then it covers my costs. If I have more listeners, but it's not covering my costs, so it's getting a little depressing. But, you know, what else is it? Oh, you know what? The holidays are coming up, and you should purchase my book. Yes, I can say that. Or yes, I can say that, depending on how you feel like saying that. And uh, it's a great, it would be a great gift for Hanukkah, which is late. Christmas, uh, Christmas and Hanukkah are around the same time. Kwanzaa. Thanksgiving, if you buy gifts for Thanksgiving. Anyway, that's it. Check out my website, judygold.com. Check out, I'm still on Tweetar because the thought of going to somewhere else, I can't, I have don't have the bandwidth for it. Okay, but I'm going to make um, Brittany Joe Sowards, Richmond, who married a Jew, set me up on one of the other ones. I'm at J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-T, you know, because I'm Jewish. That's Twitter, Instagram, and also uh, uh, TikTok. TikTok. Um, and I, I just resent the social media platforms when I could be doing something else, like reading or learning something, and I have to go, create content, Judy, create content. Judy, you really need to create content, 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 content. How about I like put content in my brain and then I get on stage and create content that way and I don't have to sit in my fucking house with a camera in front of me trying to be funny and get more followers, 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 followers. I can't. This, this fucking world is crazy. So that being said, oh, Ben also had his first game, 18 points, high points five rebounds highest score of the game they they killed him um very proud of him so yeah i'll be going to a lot of basketball games and letting you know how he did i'm so proud of him oh wait we'll have to do someone who's listened until the end because i just so you know please dm me and let me know if you if you listen to the end because it makes me so fucking happy. I love you so much because I always listen to the end of everything. And um, I just want to say my favorite person of the week. And everyone who came before my favorite person of the week is also still you remain my favorite person of the week because you listen to the end. My favorite person this week is Krista Halpin. Krista Halpin, I love you. I love you, Krista Halpin. Uh, Krista listens to the end. God bless you, Kristen. 
Um, or Krista. Fuck that shit. Sorry. Um, thank you for listening to the end. I'm going to have to start getting prizes for the li- people who listen to the end. Don't you think? Krista, if you're anywhere near the New York area, please come to see me in Scarsdale on December 3rd at the B-Side Comedy Club. If you're in Florida, I'll be there the 14th and 15th of um, December in Miami, the Chosen Comedy Festival for the Jews, and Boca Black Box in Boca Raton, Florida for the Jews, Jews, Jews. Um, and yeah, that's it. I I love you all. I'm 60, 60, 60, 60, freaking out. And I think it's because you, I remember my mother turning 60. I, my parents had me when they were older. So when my mother turned 50, I was like nine. And now I remember her turning 60. I was 19 and we bought her this bracelet for her 60th. And I wear that bracelet. So I'm now wearing this bracelet it's a really nice bracelet, by the way. And um, we gave it to my mother when she was 60. And now I have her hands because I am old. Uh, but I'm young at heart. I'm young at heart and I'm young in my brain. I act like a fucking 12-year-old boy. Anyway, so that's all. Thank you all so much. The love that I'm receiving from people for the podcast means so much because it is costing me money at this point. And I, I always... Talk, you know, I talk to my people. I'm like, I don't know how much longer I can do the podcast. And then I do it and I fucking love doing it. So it's really hard. So I I don't know. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you for listening to the end. And thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Thank you. I love you all unconditionally. And as we always say, so long.